Could China shut down American weapons if war broke out? Night vision goggles, communication systems, uh, um, GPS systems. Uh, so anything the military wants to do, uh, there is a system that has uh, rare earth components, and those rare earth components have to come from China. It's really a matter of the United States deciding that it has to intervene. Welcome to China in Focus. I'm Don Ma in for Tiffany Meyer. Could China shut down U.S. defenses in times of war? One expert says yes. The reason? Most of America's weapons rely on key components made exclusively in China. We unveiled the devil in the details. A key vulnerability spanning almost every advanced weapon in the American arsenal. It involves two of the U.S.'s most powerful weapons, the F-35 fighter jet and the Tomahawk missile. They share one thing in common. Without rare earth elements, they can't be produced. And the world's rare earths are almost completely controlled by China. You know, night vision goggles, communication systems, uh, um, GPS systems. Uh, so anything the military wants to do, uh, there is a system that has uh, rare earth components, and those rare earth components have to come from China. And if China's not willing to supply them, uh, then rearming uh, and restocking is impossible. And Beijing seems to be hinting at just that. As tensions between the U.S. and China pile up, the Chinese regime said it would tighten export controls on rare earths. An expert told Foreign Policy that if the U.S. were to get cut off from rare earth supplies, it would deal a major blow to the defense industrial base. Right now, there are no easy alternatives than China. So what are rare earths and why are they so important? Rare earths are metals, specifically a group of 17 elements on the periodic table. They're used in almost all modern technology, from iPhones to Tesla motors to almost every advanced U.S. military weapon. Every Virginia-class attack submarine uses over 9,000 pounds of rare earths. On top of controlling 70% of the global rare earth supply, China also controls the entire supply chain. The country makes over 90% of a type of rare earth magnet, one that guides missiles to their targets and helps tanks navigate the battlefield. And magnets are used for guidance systems for um, smart bombs, right? They're used for guidance for uh, missiles, advanced missile systems. They're used for drones in tracking and stabilization. They're used on an F-35 fighter jet. Uh, rare earths are used extensively on advanced systems like nuclear submarines. The U.S. is trying to play catch up. Right now, there's only one rare earth mine in the U.S. sitting in California's Mojave Desert, and it has to ship its rare earths to China for processing. Though the company that owns the mine says soon it will be able to refine rare earth elements on its own. Kennedy noted, even though the rare earth market isn't big. But the importance of the applications of rare earths is like having the world's longest lever, right? So if I have a little fulcrum, but I have a big lever, I can move anything. And, um, you know, this is what China's done. And, um, you know, you, you really have to think about it as a new form of warfare, a warfare where, you know, the, the casualties are economic casualties. You know, you, you're not killing people. Um, you're just, you're economically strangling uh, your, your adversary. You know, it's, 
quite humane, right? If you're not up to the game, you lose. NTD reached out to the Pentagon, but did not hear back before airtime. The Pentagon's China supply chain problem doesn't stop at rare earths. The communist country also supplies the U.S. military with critical energetic materials used in munitions. A growing number of Chinese companies have made it into the Pentagon's supply base. A report says the number was 655 as of 2019, and over 400% increase from a decade ago. And Raytheon, one of the Pentagon's largest defense contractors, said it's impossible to decouple from China. It has several thousand suppliers there. Last year, the Pentagon started using artificial intelligence to track whether the raw materials and parts that contractors use come from China. What can the U.S. do to wean itself off its reliance on China? We sat down with Rick Fisher, senior fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center, for insight. And now with us here is Rick Fisher, Senior Fellow at the International Assessment and Strategy Center. So, so Rick, almost every advanced weapon that the U.S. military used relies on rare earths, uh, which China has dominance over. Uh, what, can, what can we do about the situation? Don, thanks for having me. China dominates the, the market and the processing and the mining of, of rare earth metals and materials. It's really a matter of the United States deciding that it has to intervene, that it has to subsidize uh, a number of companies that can begin to erode China's dominance and to begin to assure uh, a secure uh, supply of uh, these rare earth elements. So we, it requires an investment in in the whole uh, product chain from extraction to processing uh, uh, and and uh, taking these uh, materials and forming them into products. Now, if China decided to completely cut off uh, rare earths uh, to the U.S., would there be ensuing ramifications in terms of U.S. retaliation? Uh, I, I imagine yes. I mean, the United States has been trying to restrict China's access to uh, high-tech uh, chip, uh, computer chip uh, uh, manufacturing technologies and supplies of very high technology uh, computer chips manufactured in the United States and in the West. If China, China's restriction of uh, access to rare earth elements and uh, their processing is said by China to be in part a reaction to American uh, 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 restrictions on uh, chip making and uh, chip computer chips for China, which go directly into satellites uh, and uh, various weapon systems uh, on Earth. This uh, dynamic will probably get worse if China uh, increases its restrictions uh, on access to uh, rare earth elements and their processing. Uh, uh, the United States will probably uh, impose uh, greater restrictions on China's access uh, to chips and the such. Uh, and on it will go. And uh, this this will spread uh, to other uh, areas of high technology exchange as uh, the United States and, and China continue their march towards a new Cold War. All right. Thank you very much, Rick, at the International Assessment and Strategy Center. Thank you, Don. 
China is getting more rare earth ore from Canada, and it's coming from a mine that was once celebrated as a symbol of independence from China's supply chain. What led to the dramatic shift? Representatives from Canada, the U.S., Australia, and Norway announced the launching of the Nechalacho rare earth mine some two years ago. At the time, they vowed to, quote, guarantee a responsibly sourced supply of rare earth elements, raw materials independent of China. The high-grade ore was originally destined for supply chains in North America and Europe. But a new source of investment appears to have influenced the change. Earlier this month, Chinese rare earth miner Shenghe Resources made a deal with Vital Metal, the mine's owner. Shenghe agreed to buy some of the mine's ore and invested 4 million U.S. dollars to buy an about 10% share of Vital Metal. The deal set off alarms among Canadian politicians. Under the Canadian House of Commons, the Standing Committee on Industry and Technology passed a motion. It urges Canada's Minister of Industry to start a national security review into the issue. But because Vital Metal is an Australian company, an Australian government already approved the deal, the Canadian side may not have much sway over the deal. Now we turn to Southeast Asia. 18 people are dead in Indonesia after a fire broke out in a Chinese-owned steel plant. At least four of the victims were Chinese workers. The blaze ignited Sunday morning inside a nickel smelting furnace owned by a Chinese company. Nickel is one of the most important metals used to produce batteries for electric vehicles. And Indonesia is the world's biggest nickel producer. The nickel smelter is part of China's Belt and Road Initiative. Critics describe the program as a tool Beijing uses to expand its influence and get access to resources overseas. Russia is growing its defense ties with China and North Korea. Russia's top military officer saying Thursday that it has set up comprehensive defense cooperation with North Korea. And that would continue its partnership with China and India. Contrary to the West's attempts to isolate our country in the international arena, the Russian Ministry of Defense continued to increase the pace of interaction with foreign military departments within the framework of military and military technical cooperation. The U.S. has been concerned that North Korea could provide weapons to Russia to help its war in Ukraine. South Korean lawmakers said Russia helped Pyongyang launch a spy satellite a month ago. China and Russia also held military talks Wednesday, vowing to step up strategic coordination. Next, we would like to take a moment to thank all of our viewers. Many of you wrote in to share your best wishes through emails or comments on our YouTube channel. Jeanette McBride wrote, Thanks for consistently providing the real news. It helps a lot. And Ted Zender wrote, keep up the good work. China in Focus is approaching its four-year anniversary reporting news from and about China. Our program wouldn't be possible without your support. Coming up, Beijing sanctions a U.S. company and two U.S. citizens. The move seen as retaliation for sanctions on Chinese companies over forced labor allegations. Chinese leader Xi Jinping vows to bring Taiwan under the communist regime's control. This remark comes during a tribute to Mao Zedong, the man who founded the PRC. Is resemblance showing among the current and former CCP heads? Japan approving a record defense bill for 2024. One big goal, speeding up deployments of missile that can hit China and North Korea.
And a report finds that the Chinese regime tried to meddle in the 2022 elections. We welcome a guest who says Beijing will do it even more next year. Hear what else he has to say about China's influence campaigns in the U.S. after the break here on China in Focus. China laying new sanctions on two U.S. citizens and a U.S. company. China's foreign ministry is targeting U.S. risk intelligence firm Caron and its director of investigations, Edmund Xu, as well as Nicole Morgret, an analyst at the U.S.-based Center for Advanced Defense Studies. Beijing froze all China-based assets tied to the entity and the two Americans. Chinese companies are also barred from working with Caron or the researchers. Xu and Morgret are also blocked from entering China. Both Xu and Morgret have published reports on the alleged forced labor in the Xinjiang region, where the U.S. government says Muslim minority groups such as the Uyghurs are facing genocide. The U.S. requires companies to prove their products have no ties to forced labor from Xinjiang. China's move comes after the U.S. Treasury sanctioned three Chinese companies and two officials. Chinese authorities claim the U.S. sanctions are illegal. Tuesday marks the 113th birthday of the late CCP head Mao Zedong. Marking the day, Chinese leader Xi Jinping pledged a quote, complete reunification with Taiwan and vowed to oppose anyone who stands in the way. Here's more. During a tribute ceremony, Xi described taking control of the island as a quote, irresistible trend. Beijing uses the term reunification to describe its intent to take over Taiwan. For decades, the Chinese Communist Party seized the self-governed island as its own territory and has vowed to take it by force if necessary. That's despite never having ruled it. According to China's mouthpiece Xinhua News Agency, Xi, along with seven other members of the Chinese regime's top leadership, paid tribute to Mao's embalmed remains prior to the symposium. Mao founded the People's Republic of China in 1949. The Chinese state celebrates his birthday every 10 years. During his time as CCP head, up to 80 million people perished due to starvation, forced labor, and political persecution. Many fear that Mao's cult of personality is making a comeback under Xi, as the Chinese leader continues to exert control both in and outside its jurisdiction. Taiwan has been on the forefront of that concern. Just over the weekend, the island's defense ministry detected eight Chinese fighter jets and a balloon flying over the median line. That's the unofficial divider between China and the island. Meanwhile, signs hint that Beijing is preparing for war. The Chinese regime aims to increase its defense spending by over 7% this year, a faster rate than the country's GDP target. Plus, authorities are setting up over 90 offices in Fujian, a Chinese province sitting just across Taiwan. The offices are responsible for mobilizing resources in areas like transportation, economy, technology, data, and communications. They're also designed to arrange civilian measures against would-be enemy air attacks. Beijing's foreign ministry on Tuesday railed against Washington's NDAA package this year, which includes bolstering Taiwan's defense capacity. A major U.S. ally in Asia is getting a big defense boost. Japan on Friday approving a record military budget for 2024. The total stands at over $50 billion, a 16% jump. One goal of the defense budget is to develop next-generation missiles. Their range long enough to hit targets in China and North Korea. Japan says these missiles would be critical for protecting its southwest in case China invades Taiwan. Japan has been breaking away from its 
pacifism amid rising threats from China. The country promised never to maintain military forces except for self-defense after World War II. But now it's aiming to spend another $300 billion by 2027 to bolster its military. That would make Japan the third largest military spender after the U.S. and China. The country also officially eased lethal weapons export rules on Friday so that it can send Patriot missiles to the U.S. Next, a closer look at accusations that the Chinese regime tried to meddle in the 2022 elections. We spoke to Dean Baxendale, CEO of the China Democracy Fund, for more details about Beijing's influence campaigns in the U.S. Dean Baxendale, thank you so much for joining us. Great to have you on the show. Well, thank you. It's, it's great, great to be here today. Thank you for having me. Now, there's a declassified U.S. intelligence report that says China tried to meddle in the 2022 midterm elections in the U.S. How seriously should we be taking this? I think we should be taking this extremely seriously. The CIA and, and the intelligence community are doing a great service for America and quite frankly for the free world by declassifying and making some of these reports available to the public to understand that uh, malign state governments like Chinese Communist Party, Russia, Iran, are all interfering uh, in elections around the world. On that note, the report notes that China, quote, tacitly approved efforts to try to influence a handful of midterm races involving members of both U.S. political parties. Those are candidates seen as anti-China. Now, how is China able to influence elections outside of their own borders? So, as you know, the, the, the Chinese Communist Party uses the United Front Works Department uh, globally. Uh, they're running operations uh, in Canada, the United States, Mexico, the, the UK, uh, they have United Front people who, who ultimately control uh, various media outlets uh, throughout and, and proxy corporations, especially in Canada, where we have 56 media outlets that are either controlled directly or indirectly by the Chinese Communist Party or proxies there uh, attached to the United Front. So they're using um, you know, their own information within the Chinese community uh, to change votes or persuade China diaspora community members to vote in a certain way or to view a politician uh, in a certain way that might be negative uh, um, you know, towards China. And therefore, that is one way they would, would influence in terms directly in the media. The next, of course, is social media uh, and their use of trolls and bots around the world uh, that continue to put out uh, disinformation or misinformation, however you want, want to look at it, uh, and actually exacerbate points of division, both on the left and the right, that alienate uh, voters uh, and actually influence them in voting in particular ways. And in terms of the United Front Work Department, give us a sense of how does this relate to the Chinese Communist Party? Is this its own little category or is it backed by the government? So, as you know, the United Front actually is the department of, uh, of the Chinese Communist Party. There is over, uh, I believe now there is over close to 40,000 uh, know, employees, so to speak, that work for the United Front around the world. They're doing influence operations, both soft power and sharp power uh, operations inside countries around the globe to, in, to ensure that, that you know, China is viewed uh, as a positive and a great nation to do business with uh, and to uh, ultimately partner with. Their propaganda operations, misinformation, disinformation, propaganda is just one of the many tools used by the United Front um, you know, throughout the world. You, know, you can look at other elements of the United Front, including 
um, you know, uh, direct political uh, influence operations in terms of uh, bribes or and or uh, money that's being donated directly into writings. For instance, we call them writings here in Canada, or directly into constituencies um, that may influence a politician and in how he views uh, a particular issue that may be pro or against uh, the Chinese Communist Party's ambitions. And given these Chinese influence campaigns that were disclosed in the report, what can we expect to see in the 2024 presidential election? I, I think we can see a lot more. Uh, you know, there, there, there's clear uh, bias by the Chinese Communist Party to sow division in, in U.S. politics, period. Uh, whether or not they're favoring, uh, you know, Donald Trump over uh, Joe, Joe Biden, I can't imagine, actually, that they'd be favoring uh, Donald Trump, because he, under his administration, put some of the toughest um, sanctions in place, which have then been carried on by this current administration. Um, but if they can so, you know, if they can affect uh, local state elections and or, you know, congr congressional elections, I think they will try to do that and put people who are sympathetic. Dean Baxendale, thank you so much for your time. Thank you very much for having me today. And that's all for today's China in Focus. I'm Don Ma in for Tiffany. If you have any feedback on the show or have something you would like to see us cover, send us an email at chinainfocus at ntd.com. We'd love to hear from you. Thanks for watching. See you tomorrow.